Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. You're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. The Oscars are coming. It's almost here. Yay. I'm so excited. (laughs) In case you can't tell, I'm genuinely excited. In my household, we celebrate, you know, the high holidays, Christmas, Easter, the Academy Awards. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I celebrate at least one of those. (laughs) So clearly I've already filled out my ballot. But even though you don't actually care about this award show, there is one part of the Academy Awards that you will not be able to escape even though you want to. I feel like all the parts of the Oscars I can't escape, even though I very much want to. But what's what's this part? I feel like there's always some sort of like extreme cringe designed for social media that the Oscars mm-hmm. force yeah. in an attempt to stay relevant. So like the time the Girl Scouts showed up with cookies or Mm -hmm. the time Ellen took that selfie. I'm not going to lie. The Ellen selfie, we kind of ate off of that for a while. Like, she gave the girls what we needed. (laughs) And this is not to malign the Girl Scouts who were completely innocent. Famously. (laughs) Girl Scouts innocent. (laughs) They're the good Scouts. Uh, so I thought it would be fun to imagine a few ways the Oscars might, you know, misguidedly attempt to integrate the online into the awards this year. The thing is, Madison, I don't actually think that we'll be able to come up with anything because the issue is our ideas, even if they're deranged, will at least be fun. And whatever the Oscars are going to do, it's not going to be fun. So I feel like we're fighting a losing battle. Okay, but just picture this. No. It's time for the in memoriam, the moment where we honor all the people who have died this year. You went the grim. The come down. The slideshow begins playing, and then Addison Ray appears on what? stage. No! <laughs> to do the renegade dance. Okay, I know I said that whatever we came up with would be good, but you really, you proved me wrong. All right, what do you got? Um, so what I think is going to happen is, famously, the teens love to make fun of Lynn manuel Miranda. And he is always, for some reason, involved in, like, the Oscars gambit, I feel like. For the past few years, it's always like, what is Lynn doing at the Oscars this year? So I feel like what's going to happen is they're going to do a thing where Lynn is an announcer or presenter, whatever the fuck it's called. Clearly, I don't care. And they're going to be like, this award is presented by Lin-Manuel Miranda. But what they're going to do is bring out that one guy on TikTok who does an absolutely incredible <laughs> dead-on impression of Lin-Manuel Miranda. I love that guy. He's going to actually present the award. And it'll be an opportunity for a TikTok star to be on stage and also a chance to have Lynn good-naturedly shake his fingers in the crowd at this guy. Okay, yeah, I like that. Picasso. <laughs> Damn it. It was right there on the tip of my tongue. 
Well, while we wait to see how the Oscars embarrass themselves this year, uh, we'll be sure to see it on our timelines as soon as it happens because Instagram is going back to chronological. That's right. On the show today, Instagram is finally giving the girls what they want, which is the chronological feed. On Wednesday, basically, Instagram announced it was bringing back the timeline feature. But the question is, as ever, is will will people finally be happy? Will they finally shut up about the algorithm? <laughs> After the break, we'll be back to talk about this news because we're not shutting up about it either. What it means for the Instagram experience and how a history of timelines on social media shows us that this might not be the great idea you all think it is. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And we're back, scrolling through Instagram, bored in the house, in the house bored, scrolling through Instagram. So Instagram, like we said, is back to chronological order. Let's get into exactly what that means. On Wednesday, Instagram, I don't know why I put on that voice. That's what I think the official Instagram voice sounds like, apparently. They announced they would be adding two additional modes to the platform, one called favorites and one called following. And these two new modes would allow users more direct curation of their feeds. The following feed will create basically a chronological feed of every person you're following, which is what all of you have been asking for until you realize just how much the people you follow post. They couldn't, of course, call it chronological. So just know when you hear following, we're talking about chronological, chronological, if you will. So favorites is a bit different in that it allows you to favorite up to 50 accounts, which will then appear chronologically in their own feed. And those accounts will also receive a higher priority in your main feed as well. So think of it as close friends, but for your actual timeline. One thing Instagram does know, and I appreciate this, is one way that the favorites feed is different from close friends is that nobody will know if they're on your favorites list. And that information is kept private to the user. So yes, you can add your ex-boyfriend to your favorites feed to continue to creep on him. Along with this news, head of Instagram, Adam Mossery, told The Verge that over time, they're going to add more recommendations to our feeds based on our interests, which basically sounds like the main feed is going to be even more trying to make a verb out of algorithmicized than before. How do you feel about this change, Madison? I feel like you have a lot of thoughts about chronological feeds. Well, I've been blogging about this crap for years. Uh, No, the first thing I want to note is this change is like a change with a real lowercase c because 
every time you open Instagram, the feed you see will be the algorithmic feed. You'll have to manually toggle to following or friends feeds if that's what you want to see. So it really isn't going to change things for me. I might use the favorites list for like hate follows. Although now that I'm learning that they're going to prioritize your favorites higher Mm -hmm. in that algo feed, I perhaps will rethink this. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing that unless all you want is hate content on your timeline, which is your choice. The <laughs> like thing the is, internet what doesn't I... make me feel bad enough already. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, as speaking about, this is one of my friend kind of already has this, although she hacked her way into it, which is that she has one account for friends and then one that just follows like influencers and celebrities. So she can basically toggle in between real content and spawn con, which I think is really smart. But it kind of just feels like what Instagram is doing now, but for everyone. That is very smart. My version of that is I have a couple of Instagram accounts, but they're mostly so I can watch people's stuff who I don't want to give the satisfaction of knowing I'm watching their stuff. Do you think they don't notice that a random account is watching their stuff? For legal reasons, I cannot disclose too many details, but the answer is yes and also maybe no. We're, we're going to talk about this more after this recording. So, Madison, why has this all happened? This is something users have been asking for for a while, like you said, probably since 2016 when Instagram finally went fully from a chronological feed to an algorithmic-based system. But uh, I want to dig back even further than that. So if we go back to the earliest, the earliest days of social media feeds in the beginning, there was uh, (laughs) Facebook, which now owns Instagram. So in 2006, Facebook introduces the news feed. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. So at the time, it shared everything your friends were doing and posted it all in chronological order so you could see your latest updates from family and friends Probably the most classic and wholesome version of Facebook. Like, I do recognize that Facebook was built on the idea of, like, "Mm, women, let's rank how hot they are. Uh, Mm -hmm. But there was, like, that sweet little era in 2007 where I was just using this platform to talk to my summer camp friends and post dumb pictures and um, give each other pieces of flair. And that was nice. There was no, like, election meddling yet. And we all know that that can't last. So in 2009, Facebook introduced the algorithmic news feed. So it would basically be deciding whose news was newsworthy for you and whose wasn't. We could also maybe consider 2009 the beginning of the end of democracy, but that's not what this podcast is about. In 2009, I can distinctly remember being absolutely pissed off about this change. High school me for sure joined several Facebook groups, frankly, I'm probably still in them, entitled Mm. things like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, bring back the old feed or else. Very threatening. I think 2009 was the year I joined Facebook. So I haven't known anything but the algorithmic news feed. So this is in 2009. Rachel joins Facebook because she finally gets her parents' permission. Uh, Actually, I joined it without (laughs) my parents' permission. Ooh. She's a rebel. She is a rebel. Listen, they barely let me have a MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> it's not until 2016, though, that Instagram and Twitter decide to pivot to algorithms. So we first get our taste, culturally, I'd say, of an algorithmic feed for a long time on Facebook before we start to see them on other social media platforms. And frankly, me and my irate friends in those Facebook groups, we survived. In fact, we thrived 
I was fine in that algorithmic era. <laughs> I really was. I'm just, as soon as a platform introduces an algorithm, there's always this kind of outrage. And then everyone forgets what it was like in the pre-algorithm era. Although I will say that if you want to go back to a pre-algorithmic era, you can go to Tumblr. <laughs> no. Which has been and will continue to be a pretty straightforward chronological timeline. Tumblr's motto is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if it is That's, broke, don't fix yeah. it either. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> nothing is Yahoo, fixed. Yahoo would like a word. If it, it Listen, nothing will get fixed. Occasionally, they do add some, some nice little features in, but that happens like once every five years. And the chronological timeline is a beloved a beloved uh, remnant of the earlier era. Yeah, you love Tumblr. We get it. So I do, as many people do. <laughs> it's true. The more episodes of the show we make, the more I realize this. Um, so in 2016, there was this big social media shakeup, which was dubbed by uh, those in in the biz as the Algopocalypse. <laughs> it was extremely dumb. And it led to, you'll probably remember this, if not the name, so many Instagram creators who were terrified that this new algorithmic feed was going to ruin their lives and their businesses, which, spoiler alert, they weren't totally wrong. But they were all posting at the time these images with arrows pointing to, like, the three mm-hmm. dots on your Instagram being like, turn yeah. on notifications, <laughs> please, or you'll never hear from me again. I don't really think it did that much, though. It I, I'm speaking personally, it did nothing. I saw those posts and I thought, you know what? I don't want post notifications for literally anybody. I don't give a shit. So this shift to the algorithm also turned tech platforms and their algorithms into kind of villains in a mm-hmm. way that obviously tech platforms were very much already villains by 2016. But, you know, suddenly we have people accusing Instagram of shadow banning creators or prioritizing content to further, you know, the platform's own evil intentions. And sometimes that is what's happening. Let's be very clear. We've talked about that a lot on the show, but it's not entirely how it always works, especially when we talk about the dreaded shadow banning, which is when a creator believes their content is being hidden from their followers. But it is really easy for creators to convince themselves, especially if you are experiencing dips at the hands of the algorithm, engagement dips, you know, that the the algorithm is to totally blame. I mean, we do live in a society, famously, specifically a society that just loves to embrace conspiracy. Although I will, I think that partially the reason that people and influencers and people who observe influencers like us are so ready to embrace conspiracy is that we don't actually understand how these algorithms work because we're not supposed to because it's proprietary data. So we are quite literally looking into a black box and having no idea why this specific thing is getting spit back out at us. A black box that also for influencers, for creators, and even for you and me, internet journalists with a podcast, our livelihood is Mm -hmm. linked to being able to understand these programs, to being able to manipulate them to our favor. And, you know, the algopocalypse was sort of funny and we made fun of it, but also it's really frightening if your entire income is based around your mastery of a platform that says, ah, ah, ah. 
I understand exactly what you're saying. And while it's true that algorithms and tech platforms usually aren't picking or choosing individual creators to shadow ban, like they're not looking at your content and just being like, fuck that guy. Too many pictures of Masha the Cat, Rachel. No more posts for you. Okay, Masha the Cat posts do very well. But what's true is that algorithms aren't neutral. And they tend to reinforce bias that already exist. So they deprioritize content creators that are Black or disabled or fat while boosting content from conventionally attractive white people. So I think the concept of shadow banning gets at this idea that so many people's livelihoods are just held in the hands of this random force that tech platforms are holding up as unbiased and equal. When, like, did you watch that Hulu documentary about the collab crib? Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. Yes. yes. Great example. The collab crib is an influencer house for black creators. And one of the creators noted in the documentary that the TikTok algorithm liked quote unquote bright things. So she, as a darker skinned black woman, dyed her hair pink. Yeah, exactly. And actually, there's one other thing on that list of tropes, characteristics that TikTok was programmed to deprioritize that really sticks in my head, uh, which was people in like less nice houses. Like (laughs) the bathroom behind you was not fancy or nice or like looked kind of run down. Like that would be deprioritized. So we're ableist, we're fat phobic, we're classic, just, you know, the algorithm. Brutal. So- This is a long way of saying that we got back on Instagram this week what people always thought we wanted. But do we really want it now? Are we happier with algorithmic overlords? After the break, we'll be back to discuss our own opinions on these new features, debate, chronology versus algorithms, and of course, talk about the big algorithm in the room, which is the almighty powerful TikTok. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hi, ICYMI guys. Just want to take a minute to shout out anybody who is joining us for the very first time this episode. Thank you for listening. We're so glad that you're here. In case you, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. In case you missed it, our show actually comes out twice a week, Wednesdays and Saturdays. So be sure to check us out on Wednesdays as well. If you want to listen to last Wednesday's episode, we had an installment of Red Receipts where we open up the mailbag and see what you guys are wondering about. We talked about peeling eggs on TikTok, lots of weird TikTok audios, Academy Awards drama, It was lots of fun. Be sure to check it out. And we're back in chronologic order. 
famously, you have a lot of thoughts about this. So I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you say your piece first. So to invoke a cliche, you know, grass is always green on the other side. It is not literally exclusively greener when it comes to algorithmic timelines, because chronological timelines do not work at scale. They just don't. Rachel, how many people do you follow on Instagram right now? Oh, God. Uh, I think a little less than a thousand, like somewhere around like 900. Okay. That's a healthy number, but still a lot of people. Uh, yes. Mine looks more like 2,500, which is to say it is pretty close to physically impossible for me to chronologically keep up with every single post from all 2,500 of those people, especially considering that a lot of them are influencers and brands who post, you know, three times a day, every single day. Yeah. And perhaps most importantly, I don't actually need to see every single one of those updates. Chronological feeds definitely have this feeling of control, but that's absolutely an illusion. You are you are wrong if you think <laughs> that you have any control over this tech platform, whether it's in chronological order or not. I understand why people like chronological feeds, but now being subjected to everyone's passing thought or like their half-finished thread is torture. I don't actually care. And while I do question why I'm being served a specific tweet 12 hours after it's posted, I think I prefer it. I think I, I gotta say, I think I prefer it. I feel like perhaps we're dancing around the the biggest, baddest algorithm in town right now that we should talk about, which is, of course, TikTok. It's the first app that we used as a society that is purely an algorithmic experience. Your For You page has almost nothing to do with who you follow. And that is kind of wild to think about. Even on all the platforms we're talking about, like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, yeah, you're being served posts in some weird order, but you usually know who's posting them. On mm -hmm. TikTok, there is quite literally no discernible reason that my TikTok lives are taken over by egg peeling videos. <laughs> I keep getting ASMR makeup videos, which I actually uh -huh. find very calming. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to think if a chronological TikTok would even be a pleasant experience. And given oh. that I follow effectively no one on TikTok, I think the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. I can't even imagine. I mean, I follow like a good amount of people, but I realize that I don't even know what those people are up to at this point because I never check the feed that I curated for myself because the one that TikTok creates for me is so much more interesting. A chronological TikTok experience just wouldn't make sense because there's so many people on TikTok. Would it just be serving you everyone's posts in order on the app? That sounds mm. like hell. I don't think the TikTok algorithm, to be very clear, is perfect by any no. means. And, and clearly, we've been vocally critical of that on this show. My God. If I had a dollar for every tweet like four years ago that just acted with such like feigned shock at the rise of the Demelli, I was like, how did these conventionally attractive, thin, white young women wearing tiny crop tops dancing around get famous? Huh? How? And this is not a dig at the Demelios. You could sub in truly any creator of that ilk. But- I do think the fact that, speaking for myself, and also I think for you and many other people, your roommate, Rachel Stone, <laughs> friend of the pod, who threatened to kill the guy on TikTok who uh, <laughs> pops up to say, hey, you've been scrolling too long. What I'm saying is we, we can sink hours at a go scrolling 
endlessly <laughs> on TikTok, and I'm not not entertained. So the algorithm is definitely getting a few things right. More than a few things, I'd say, don't you think? Oh, without a doubt. And even when it doesn't get something right, there's a curiosity to it. How many times have we gotten emails or DMs or even just slacked each other? I have no idea why this is on my FYP. <laughs> and yeah, yet, absolutely. I'm engrossed. There are definitely things we do that shape our algorithm on TikTok. Not in a your phone is listening to you kind of way. I but mean, uh, Rachel, not today, I mean, please. Okay. It's been I a long mean, week. I mean, okay. I'm just, just saying. I'm talking about things like strolling away from a video before it's finished, selecting not interested. Pro tip, you can hold your finger down on a TikTok video and it will give you this option. You know, TikTok does give us a f- tiny number of c- controls tools that give us a sense of control in this experience. So we don't feel like we're completely drowning in uncurated content, though, frankly, I'm not entirely sure how much these tools actually do. Yeah. It kind of feels like, you know, those crosswalk buttons where you press the button and yes. theoretically oh my it's God. supposed to speed up whether or not the the sign tells you to walk, but apparently they're just placebo buttons to give you the illusion of control. That's what the TikTok tools feel like to me. So TikTok definitely knows that the app they've created lives and dies by the algorithm, which is why the algorithm is perhaps the biggest, blackest box of them all. And that makes sense. It's powerful and it is alarmingly effective. Other social media sites are taking note of the fact that so many people are enjoying what is essentially a machine curated feed. Yeah, it's just a a search engine by a different name. You know, the thing I actually was thinking about this week, I kind of wondered if this change from Instagram, clearly everything a tech platform does is always an attempt to stay relevant, especially because TikTok is just eating Instagram for breakfast. Uh, But I sort of wondered if it was like, well, we haven't quite nailed the algorithm in the way that TikTok Mm -hmm. has. So let's give the people what they've been asking for. I mean, I also wonder if it's not just a grab for data in that if you put someone in your favorite feeds, they're going to be prioritized higher in your main feed, which, according to Instagram, is going to start having more algorithm served content from people that you don't follow. So giving you more brands, more influencers, more accounts, suggesting more things into your feed. And what is a better way to find out what people might want in their main feed served to them than having them pick out 50 favorite accounts. And so I, I think that the, the, the chronological feed change is really just a step, the illusion of giving us what we want when really they're just trying to build a bigger, better algorithm. Okay, so I feel like there's only one way to wrap this up, and that is to say, in case we've been uh, shadow banned, please make sure to hit follow in your podcast player. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod. Turn on notifications so you never miss us, even if the algorithm wants you to. All right, that's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to make sure that you never miss an episode, no matter what the tech platforms are showing you that day. Leave us a rating and review in Apple or Spotify. Tell your friends about us. Follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, or you can shoot us an email at ICYMI at slate.com. Hold up. 
ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. We are edited by Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank. And Alicia Montgomery is an executive producer of Slate Podcast. See you online. Or on any platform that has an algorithm. Papa, can you hear me? Do you even know what that's from, Rachel? No, I just heard you you sing it. (laughs) It's Yentl, but I love that I have you singing. You're singing Yentl. (laughs) Yeah, because you you sing it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.